You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Kyle is at Rupp Arena as we're recording this. Just uh, finished watching Kentucky take down... Georgia for the second time this season, 89-79, the final score, a 10-point win, but uh, Kentucky led by as many as 16, I believe, in this game, uh, and led for 39 minutes and 8 seconds uh, of the game. So, uh, I mean, Georgia made it close, made a run. The big turning point in the game, I thought Kyle was... Uh, Anthony Edwards had a bucket to cut the the UK lead to 57-54 with 12.38 to go. That's followed by a Keon Brooks basket. Then Johnny Juzang had back-to-back buckets to get it to nine. UGA scores to cut it to seven at the 10.56 mark. And then quickly, Emmanuel quickly in transition has a basket. EJ Montgomery scores. And then quickly has that great outlet pass to Brooks for the dunk to get it to 13 at 69.56 with 8.51 to go. It was a 12-2 run over about four minutes. Uh, Georgia got no closer than seven points the rest of the way. And then most of it was a double-digit lead. Uh, the rest of the way, but Anthony Edwards, uh, which, you know, ESPN just goo-goo and gaga all over him, and continually he's put up there as the projected number one overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, he was held scoreless in the first half, 0 for 5 from the field, uh, no free throw attempts. He was a negative 12 in efficiency, had one assist, three turnovers. Emmanuel quickly was the main defender on him. Edwards in the second half, now, you look just looking at his numbers, just take his second-half box score and you think, well, okay, seven of eight field goals uh, from the field, 16 points, two assists, two turnovers. But Edwards scored nine points in the first 7.22 of the second half. He was then held scoreless from the 12.38 mark to 2.21, and he only came out of the game for two minutes, about two minutes, 10.35 to 8.18 on the clock. And then Edwards scored seven points in the final 221 of the game when it was out of hand and in Kentucky's favor. So Edwards basically held scoreless for eight minutes on the floor in the second half after his field goal had cut the UK lead to three, during which time UK made that 12-2 run to take the 13-point lead. Uh, Quickly, who was, again, his main defender, plus 19 efficiency for the game, Edwards plus two, quickly finished with 12 points, four rebounds, two assists, a block shot. He's now averaging a team-high 17 points uh, over the last seven games, 18 of 37 from three, one of five on Tuesday in this game. That was Kentucky's only uh, three-point shot that they made, and Tom Crean called him the prototypical guard afterwards. So pretty big game for quickly defensively once again. Um, and Edwards, once again against Kentucky, having not much success. Yeah, one basically played one good half in both those games. You know, he played a great first half against Kentucky and Athens and then kind of shot him out of the game in the second half. Uh, and in this game, he uh, scoreless in the first half. And then, as you mentioned, uh, he's the, a reason for their brief comeback, but then basically did nothing 
until garbage time. And it is one, by the way, is one, we can talk about, I think, this in the second segment, but his one missed shot of the second half was a ridiculous block by E.J. Montgomery where he, he went up <laughs> yeah. to try to dunk it, and E.J. Montgomery blocked it with two hands. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, I think Edwards has been exposed a little bit in a couple, you know, not just in the Kentucky game. We've talked about this. He's a volume shooter who he takes a ton of shots. He over the previous five games, he'd averaged like 16 or 17 shot attempts and only made like 35% of his shots. Yeah. Um, so he's a he's an incredible specimen. I mean, he's just this huge muscled-up guard at 6'5". That he looks like the modern NBA guard. And, there's, you know, there's a lot of things to like about him, but there's also some selfishness there. You know, Crean sat him down for a long stretch in the first half, felt like he was a little bit frustrated with him. Uh, Edwards kind of looked like he was pouting a little bit uh, in the first half because he wasn't getting to just kind of play hero ball. He fouled out of that game. He also had five turnovers in that game. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's an impressive testament to uh, not only win a game when you go one for nine from three, as Kentucky did, make only one three-pointer, not only win a conference game, but lead it for 39 minutes and also still score 89 points. Right. Uh, you know, that that was impressive by Kentucky. Ashton Hagens. Uh, on know, that on that points mark, by the way, UK scored its most points in a game with one made three or less since December 3rd of 1996 against Purdue. Wow. Kentucky scored 101 in that game and then 89 Tuesday night. That's courtesy of Corey Price, of course. That's a great that's a great stat because I mean you you don't score in almost 90 points with one made three-pointer. That's just it's hard yeah. to do. Um you know, Ashton Hagens led the way there. Uh, the usual suspects, uh, I think in the second segment, we're going to talk about the unusual suspects. But the usual suspects, other than Tyrese Maxey, were really good. You mentioned quickly, uh, defensively, and scored in double figures again. But Hagens, the, the Georgia killer, 23 mm-hmm. points, nine assists, five rebounds, four steals, and a block. He was really good. Um, and in his now three career games against Georgia, he's averaging 19.7 points, six assists, and four steals. He's had four steals in all three of the matchups with Georgia. Um, well, and, and another one from Corey Price. He's the first UK player in the Calipari era with at least 23 points, nine assists, and four steals in a game. That's a lot. I mean, I wouldn't imagine yeah. there's many in history. Uh, and then Nick Nick Richards, the other uh, you know guy they've come to count on, 20 points, eight rebounds, three blocks. He now, for the season after tonight, he now leads Kentucky in points, rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage. Amazing. Uh, which I just, I never, I, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to get used to him being this good. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's such a departure from what he had been for two years. Um, I mean, I I'll think. I'll give you another Corey Price nugget on this one. That's the last one I have, by the way. But, I mean, it's, a, it's an unbelievable one. Nick Richards is tied for the second most games in the Calipari era with at least 20 points, eight rebounds, and three blocks in a game. He has three of those such games. Terrence Jones had three. Anthony Davis has six. That's the most. Uh, you think of all wow. the big men that have come through here. Yeah. Carl I mean, Anthony Towns and DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's, the, that's another kind of like – how is that possible stat? You know, just in SEC games alone, he's now averaging 17.2 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks. I, to me, mm. he's a he's the first team All SEC center right now. Um, yeah, no argument know, here. I, I don't. I, I I'd have to look at a couple others, but I don't think anybody's playing at a higher level at the center position 
in the SEC than Nick Richards. So, um, you know, those those are the things of the of the sort of like big headline things that stand out. The other yeah. the other piece of it to me um, that we're going to dive into more is just for for once they had multiple secondary uh, guys show up, and right. that may be sort of the biggest story of all tonight because they you know we've been saying how for how long now they have the big four you know they know they can count on Hagens, Maxi, Quickly and Richards now that that's great that they have four that are playing consistently well Maxi had kind of an off night um you know but those are typically the four but can they get anybody else to come along well tonight they did and it wasn't just one guy it wasn't even just two guys uh, they had really three uh, three of those secondary players uh, come alive and I think collectively play their best game. This was probably their best, most balanced overall game as a team that Kentucky's had the whole season. Yeah, we'll dive more into that after the break. We'll leave you with this uh, before we go to break. Ashton Hagens, uh, through 18 games, has 131 assists. Tyler Ulysses' season where he broke the record for most assists per game, seven. Uh, he had 108 assists through 18 games. The same, so the same amount of games, Hagen's 131, Euless 108. So we'll take a break and come back with more on uh, the secondary guys who stepped up on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Uh, Kyle Tucker in Rupp Arena. So if you hear some chairs and stuff being put away, <laughs> they're closing the place down and are ready to kick him out as well. Yeah, but, it's uh, uh, there's like carts rolling all around me. It's about to drive me insane. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. But uh, there's, uh, yeah, you talked about it. The the guys that they got extra help from was uh, Johnny Juzang. Calipari called him terrific afterwards. Uh, they Keon Brooks again after that you know showing against Arkansas he comes up and plays well once again uh, and then um, EJ Montgomery yeah EJ EJ Montgomery who, <laughs> um, the the great point I thought that Calipari made on him is he asked everyone that's sitting there listening to his post game press conference what got Nick Richards over the hump and he said he got in better shape so. EJ is starting to do extra conditioning and you're starting to see it a little bit. And uh, I think we saw it definitely against Georgia. Yeah. You know, EJ talked about that. He said he's getting Kenny Payne anytime he has some extra time and saying, you know, work me out. So he's putting him on the end line and having him run sprints. He's putting him on the treadmill. If, if people listening read the big profile I wrote on Kenny this summer, talking to Anthony Davis and Carl Towns and all those guys that are in the NBA about what makes Kenny so special and what makes those workouts so legendary. I actually got to go and watch one uh, where he was working out uh, P.J. Washington after uh, the season b uh, before he went off to the NBA. And, and Kenny, they have a treadmill in the practice gym that Kenny has nicknamed Big Henry, and it's his tor <laughs> personal torture device. And uh, he put me on there. I wore my shorts and my, my sneakers, and he put me on there. And, and basically what he has them do is jog for two minutes and then sprint for a minute nonstop for 40 minutes. Oh, uh, for 40 minutes? Yeah, for 40 minutes. There 40 are no, minutes? There are no walking breaks. You, you jog for, 20, for two, you sprint for one, and that's for 40 minutes. But the jog is eight miles an hour. That's, oh my that, God. that's my sprint. And the sprint. That's is, my sprint, yeah. The, the sprint it's, is 11 miles an hour. Uh, I mean, I almost died. He told me that that uh, 
that James Young came back a few years ago when he was trying to get out of the G League and back to the NBA and wanted to get in shape, and he lasted like nine minutes on it, and then pat like the eye, his eyes rolled back in his head, and it's <laughs> it spit him ten feet off the back of the treadmill. So that gives you an That's idea. That's what would happen to me, like you know, five minutes in. Well, it's exactly I I made it about five minutes you know, through like a cycle and a half of this torture. And I was like, all right, I don't want to have a heart attack right here in front of you. Uh, yeah. But that's an idea of what, you know, the kind of stuff Kenny puts guys through that need to get in shape. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis said he still has nightmares about Big Henry, the treadmill. and uh, I guess 40 yeah. minutes being based on a 40-minute game. Yes. Right? Yeah, and he said once the guys go off to the NBA, he actually makes them do 45 minutes because they, they have longer games. Um, Julius Randle tried it over and over and never passed. Like most guys don't actually finish, but that's the goal is to get to 40 minutes. And actually this summer, Julius Randle's mom called Kenny Payne and said, Julius just called me and he wanted me to know that I had, he had for the first time in his life completed the Kenny Payne treadmill workout, you know, five years into his NBA career. Um, but so that's, that's what EJ is trying to, to do because what Cal said about that was, um, he said, he said, um, he said um, he got in great shape, so now he doesn't surrender because when you're not in great shape, it makes you a coward. You just surrender. Yeah. Um, and so he said, you know, guys will say to him, like, give me more shots or give me more minutes and I can prove I'm better. And he says that's not the answer. He said, how about you do the hardest thing, which is get in great condition and see where it takes you. Then all of a sudden you do stuff you didn't even know you can do, which builds your confidence. And something we didn't know EJ could do happened tonight, which I mentioned earlier. He jumped up with two hands and rejected an Anthony Edwards dunk at the rim. He got smacked in the face and bloody-lipped doing it. He ends up – I thought maybe, you know, he's had bigger stat nights, but considering it was a conference game, a quality opponent, um, how low he's been recently, this was one of his most impressive performances in a Kentucky uniform. In 19 minutes, he had 10 points, six rebounds, and two blocks. Um, Yeah. You know, made four or six shots. He hit jumpers. He and Brooks combined uh, had had 18 points and 11 rebounds and three blocks. I mean, yeah, if that's they, and, and that's from the power forward position. So that's 35 total minutes between the two of them. 18 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks. If they get that with those yes. other four guys, if they get that from the from the four spot, there very few people are going to beat them. Yeah, that's um, huge. You know, and so. I and to that your was... point on on you know the being in shape and, and that and with uh, that that quote you gave from uh, Calipari, he goes on to say the other guy is Emmanuel quickly and I know I've mentioned this uh, probably a hundred times on this podcast but when 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 they say it and then you see it being true is I remember that that media day where they let us watch you know fifteen minutes of practice and Emmanuel quickly finished first in all the running drills and Nick Richards finished second. And those are the two guys that are in shape. And now if EJ can be there as well, like you said, at the four position, if they can get 18 points, 11 rebounds, and three block shots to go with Nick Richards and that backcourt, yeah, you're looking at one of the best teams in the country, one of the toughest outs in the tournament. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing with EJ, this was more sudden. He hadn't scored in double figures before tonight in 10 games. So yeah. the, he'd really been down. But, but with, with Keon, it's been building to this for a little while. Uh, over the last three games, Keon Brooks has played a total of 45 minutes, had 18 points, 19 rebounds, three blocks, and three steals uh, in 45 minutes. That's, that's great production. Um, yeah. 
and that, you know that's all coming off the bench. He's he's giving them energy, he's giving them effort. You know he's defending. Uh, you know the big thing. It wasn't that long ago, a few weeks ago, Cal Perry pulled him out of a game, and he he told the media afterwards. Cal did that. You know he said, "What happened on that rebound? You got beat on the rebound." And he said, "The guy pushed me," and he's Cal said, "Wrong answer. <laughs> you push him back." Yeah. Uh, you know, and so tonight. Uh, I asked him about that, and he said, um, Keon said that uh, basically he's been watching film and trying to figure out, okay, where can I where can I find spots to get offensive rebounds defensively? How can I hit my man before he hits me? Um, you know, don't make excuses. Go if he wants me to rebound, go go rebound. Um, I, I, so that's that's just really big. And then and then the third guy being Johnny Juzang. What a what a huge swing it's been for him. You know, he's he basically disappeared from the rotation even before he got sick. Then he gets sick and misses, I think, three games with uh, a virus where he's quarantined away from the team. He's not even making the trip. He seems really down. They go to South Carolina. They don't play well, but he he comes in when they're kind of struggling as a team off the bench. He he has five rebounds in like seven minutes. Um, he he ends a 9-0 South Carolina run by getting his own miss and putting putting it back in. Yeah. And that little window of time, I think he showed Cal and Calipari said like maybe he deserves more. So then he goes to they go to Arkansas and he comes in he makes a couple jumpers he gets a couple more rebounds and they say maybe he deserves a little bit more and he comes in tonight. Uh, he plays uh, 18 minutes. He's three of five from the field, all jumpers, really pretty jump shots. Uh, he missed his three point, couple three-pointers, but the, he had three pull-up kind of mid-range jumpers that were beautiful, six points, three rebounds, has an assist. Um, and so now you got Johnny Juzang over the last three games. He's played like 40 minutes, had, I think, 13 points, 11 rebounds, uh, you know, he's the last two games. He's five of ten from the field after starting like seven of thirty-one in his career shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a horrible start shooting the ball. And now the last two games, he's seen uh, some shots go through. So, so you know, now you take those three guys, and in this game that they controlled from start to finish, even though they only hit one three, those three guys had twenty-four points and fourteen rebounds in their yeah. four losses this season. Those guys averaged. Nine points and ten rebounds combined. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a it's a huge uptick, especially in scoring, that makes all the difference. And and what do we know about all four of their losses? That with three minutes to go in all those games, if not the last possession, they were right in it. You know, they just needed right. a few more points, a little more this or a little more that. If they, if if all three of those guys or even two of the three begin to contribute, it really does change. I think the entire makeup of this team. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. All right, there's a lot more uh, to discuss on this game. We'll do it in the final segment, uh, including, um, well, what happened in the SEC Tuesday night uh, and what that means for Kentucky and what help it happened in the Big 12 uh, as well Tuesday night. Uh, we'll discuss that next on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Kentucky is a great way for your local business to reach passionate UK fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener. 
a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with UK fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Kentucky podcast. Focal fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. We're back here on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast. Uh, Kyle Tucker trying to uh, stay here or stay there in Rupp Arena for just a, a few more minutes. They're dragging uh, me they, out of here, Dan. Before no. they kick you out. Yeah. I hope they don't lock me in, mainly. <laughs> to finish up this podcast. But uh, Kentucky, with the win, goes to 5-1 and one in the SEC uh, with the win over Georgia. LSU beat Florida Tuesday to go to 6-0. and oh in the SEC. And so the, now the Gators are four and two. So LSU leading the way at six and zero, Kentucky now alone in second place at five and one. And then you've got uh, Florida there. It was a crazy finish by the way, to the Missouri Texas A&M game also, but Texas A&M won on the road in Columbia. And then you have Kentucky's next opponent, Texas tech losing on the road to TCU. Uh, but the bigger story that you'll, you'll surely hear about, see about all that stuff. We don't have to really discuss it, but you know, the Kansas, Kansas state, Bruhaha, the way that game finished was just insane. That's one uh, of the scarier scenes I've ever yeah. seen in college. I mean, it's it's uh you know, it's not dissimilar to the malice at the palace, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, except it's not really involving fans in terms of like they're going after fans, but they're going into a section behind the behind the basket where fans are and I think it's like where like disabled fans are sitting mm-hmm. uh, because there's a woman with like a like a service dog that right. is in the photos and people have kind of made jokes about it but she looks completely horrified she's like screaming and she's ducking she ends up on the floor yeah uh, there's, there's a, a lot of jokes made about it but when you see a big man uh, uh, holding up a chair. Well, yeah, D'Souza. And you're on the floor next to him. Yeah, D'Souza, uh, who's a huge, like, 6'8", you know, muscled-up guy who uh, sat out a year with the NCAA violation stuff. Uh, he has a – the images are horrifying. Thankfully, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't elect to swing it, but he picked up a chair over his head mm-hmm. and is holding it like I'm about to whack somebody, you know, WWE wrestling style. And you're talking um, about 50 and 60 year old, you know, citizens. Yeah. Like they're in a wrestling ring. And there's a woman that's like under his legs when he's yeah. got this chair. She's got a hold uh, of his leg. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are pushes and punches thrown. Some, some like staffer, I think, from Kansas, somebody in a suit goes, comes flying like a mm-hmm. leaping, uh, flying, leaping rope. thing <laughs> into the picture. Uh, I think it's Azabuki uh, that comes in and looks like he's stomping on somebody. Uh, at one point I mean it is is a melee and you've got to think they're going to be some like major repercussions in terms of suspensions I mean does somebody get like is their season over I mean certainly I would think if D'Souza had hit anybody with that chair his season is over but even just raising up raising it up at that point you're establishing it as a weapon is uh 
you know, so many bad things could have happened uh, for the fans that were there. You know, the the just bystanders that were there. That was that was ugly. And and you know, to me, Bill Self keeps saying he's not going to the NBA. He ought to find another job because yes. he's pretty well disgraced the university now. Um, for all the good he's done in the past year, he's totally embarrassed the university, and and having something like this happen on his watch is not not good. Yeah, it's not been a good year for Bill Self in Kansas. Uh, back to Kentucky. Um, one of the funnier comments I heard from John Calipari was, anybody talk about we went one of nine from three and scored 89 points? Who was that guy that was saying that they need to shoot more threes and come into the modern era and shoot 33s? Who was that guy? I don't know. I was hoping it wasn't me. <laughs> I think I think there have been so many of us that have said that that I think there have he's been maybe, some others. Yes, he's, maybe uh, it's like in Hollywood. It's like this character is actually an amalgam of several, uh, you know, a fictitious portrayal of several characters. Uh, I think that's sort of what that that guy is to John Calipari. There have been quite a few people who've said they need to modernize their offense, and I don't I don't come off that they do need to modernize their offense, uh, but. Um, you know, Calipari is also, I've never, never not said that Calipari is a Hall of Fame coach who knows better than I do in general. Uh, I just think, right. you know, most people watching basketball understand that you need to be able to shoot the three to stay competitive. There are going to be matchups where you're not going to be able to get away with one for nine from three. Um, well, and I think your last article um, was about the zone break in case of emergency. Calipari said, we went zone, they got yeah. a three, that's it, no more zone, don't even talk to me about the zone. Yeah, yeah, and he said, you know, <laughs> He said he, he and he at least acknowledges it because people always say it's so frustrating because the first three they hit like Calipari gives up on it and he admitted that like you know me they hit one three it's over that's it mm-hmm. no more um, but uh, yeah no I mean, as much as anything that like that stat is just very impressive um, that you're able to again score eighty nine while making one three pointer that you're able to win comfortably while making one three pointer they made six I mean they they only shot six of 25, but when the other team makes five more threes than you, um, you know, that can be a big separator. But what, what happened was Ashton Hagens got in the lane anytime he wanted. Georgia had no answer mm-hmm. for Hagens and, you know, to the tune of 23 points, um, but the nine assists, I think that, I think all nine assists were on two pointers. I don't think he assisted on, maybe he assisted on Quickly's three, but let's just say they're all two pointers. So that's 18. So he scored or assisted on 41 of their 89 points. Yeah. Um, which Calipari really, said really he really tried impressive. to get one more, and I said, stop it. You're going to lead the school in assist in our history before you're done. Uh, but he said he tried to get one more, and he could tell that's what it was about. Yeah, I mean, Trying it's going to get be, to 10. It's going to be interesting if he can, if he can set, you know, single-season records for maybe uh, – Maybe assists and steals. Um, I don't know. I have to. I have, have to look that up. But he's, you know, high on both lists. Certainly, career steals. By the end of it, he's. I think he's close to over a hundred uh, career steals now, after he had sixty, uh, sixty some last season. So. And the one more thing. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Tom Crean. He opens his press conference just by he opens his comments in, in the post game, by just going on and on about the job John Calipari does. but uh, And he even made the point to say, it's not just because we're friends that I say all these things, but he, he said, don't take it for granted what Calipari's doing here. It's mind-boggling how he gets his teams to play better and better throughout the season every year. He said, this UK team tonight was player-driven, and it's what we 
aspire to be as a team. And then Calipari, he wasn't asked directly about that. He just kind of put it out there himself. And this isn't new. We hear this every year. I mean, the guys on ESPN talked about it like it was this new thing. But we hear this every single year. Empower my team. Make it player-driven. Makes it easier on me. But, you know, Tom Crean acknowledged that he saw it that way. Uh, and Calipari said that, that he let him be. And uh, until about the last five minutes or so, where he, it, it was getting too tight for him, he didn't want to see it get away. But that uh, he asked him, he said, do you like the guy that screams and yells at you all the time or do you like the guy that's sitting back? Well, if you like the guy that's sitting back, then then don't let them come back in games and you can you can take this team over. And he specifically said it's Hagen's and Quickly's team now. Yeah, I'm really curious to like to know to really truly what extent he was just letting them play free flowing, like not not calling the the shots tonight. I mean, did he really do that? I mean, were they really were those guys really just doing whatever they wanted until it got to crunch time and Cal kind of put his foot down? I I don't know. I that's kind of cool if he did do that. Um, it seems to, like just, he could because of the way he coaches, where he just he throws the concepts out there, he throws the plays. It's really simple. We've heard other coaches say that it's simple. Uh, even on the broadcast tonight, Jimmy Dyke said what Calipari's doing is running maybe four or five things, really simple. So if you're only doing that, it wouldn't be difficult for uh, your two sophomores, uh, guards, uh, leaders, to be able to know everything and the rest of the guys to know it as well and then just kind of run it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it did feel it like the, the early parts of that game, I felt like the vibe was very sort of energetic and free flowing. It kind of bogged down a little bit as it went along, but um, it, it felt the energy felt a little different to start that game. Like it did feel like it was very player driven and, and that's, you know, that's great for them. I, I, I think, you know, uh, trying to find if I had a Keon Brooks quote about that that I didn't use in what I wrote, but uh, he said he said that just means we're going to hold each other accountable. This is Keon Brooks. Uh, we can't always rely on Cal to bail us out or to save us. The better teams that travel far in the tournament and have good success throughout March, they are player-driven. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a great point. The other, I think this is unrelated to any of that, but I wanted to use it. Uh, here, I just thought it was so funny because Jimmy Dykes was on the call tonight, and Jimmy Dykes had earlier in the season famously said that you know Keon Brooks isn't athletic, and some other people have made that <laughs> point. Like the, yeah. the problem with Keon Brooks, he's not athletic, and like I just I have never understood it. I don't Keon, either. Keon Brooks is the best leaper on the team, and when I polled players in the preseason, like who's the best dunker, everybody said like oh. Keon and Khalil have these dunk contests every day in practice, and they just like jump out of the gym. It's and and everybody said Khalil. I mean, I'm sorry, Keon uh, was the did all the craziest dunks and was the most athletic. And so uh, it was interesting that Jimmy Dykes was in the building tonight because uh, Keon had a play. He had a play that'll go completely unnoticed and didn't really make much impact, but he had a crazy offensive rebound right before halftime, and he put it back in. It didn't oh yeah, count. the buzzer went off. They didn't count it. But he had to climb on the pogo stick to go get it, uh, and then just kind of up and, and then under, to reverse just it, just yeah. flipped it up, reversing in. Didn't even count. Uh, and then later he had a dunk where he was eyeballs, you know, looking down in the basket. And there's a couple of beautiful pictures of it that different photographers got. Um, and so I asked him. I said, you know, what is it that sometimes people don't notice your athleticism? Like, how can you best show it off? And he said, I've got to be low in the stance, be ready. And he said, you can't be athletic when you're stiff-legged you, or you, you can't be 
athletic when you're always reacting instead of being proactive, uh, which I thought was smart. I mean, I love talking to Keon. He's such a thoughtful kid. He, he understands, like, what he's good at, what he's not, why he's not good at it, um, and he can explain it. And he also said, uh, but I can also catch people off guard sometimes. I'm a little pigeon-toed, and I walk a little funny. <laughs> but he said, but then I jump, and they'll be like, oh, whoa, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was a great, once again, a great summary by uh, Keon Brooks about his athleticism. Oh, whoa. Uh, well, a couple things that we will discuss on tomorrow's podcast that we didn't get to today. Uh, one is Walter McCarty, no yeah. longer the coach at Evansville. Uh, and then a little bit of UK football because there were some recruits at the basketball game, very important recruits. They And then, the, as you saw while you were there, Kyle, that they brought out the Belk Bowl trophy. And then uh, Kentucky's now got three guys in the Pro Bowl for the first time since 1981. So those are some things that we will discuss on tomorrow's Locked on Kentucky podcast. Until then, follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. We always welcome your comments. We'll talk about some of them uh, on here if you, if they're appropriate. Um, so thanks for <laughs> listening, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs> <laughs>